0: If you have your message notes this morning, we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 2 as our series text. We uh, are so excited today. This this is not even the beginning of what all we're going to do. I've got to do my best to try to wrap up this series and finishing up today the book of Colossians number 5 in the series. And we had three scheduled to be baptized, but I just stand up a few minutes ago. That's become six. So six are going to get water baptized if you have service today. So we're excited about that. Amen. If you'll just look with me on your message notes or on the board in the copy that you might have there in your lap, let's read. I'm going to ask you very quickly if you would just stand up with me one more time. Let's read the text together. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 And seven. Do we have that for the board? Yeah, that's great. Here we go. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. All right, I think they've got a different translation than I have. Let's go back and let's read it together. I have the ESV. We'll get this one more time. We're going to get this right. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Bow your hearts together with me today for a word of prayer. Gracious God, thank you for this next few moments. We just acknowledge our complete neediness. We can't do anything apart from you. But Lord, even as the children learned in these three days, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We ask you today for that. Holy Spirit, come. You're the only teacher. You give us eyes to see and ears to hear. I thank you for this series. Thank you for the roots that are going down deep in the Word of God, in the Spirit of God. Thank you that we learn that we're rooted in the Lordship of Christ. That we are rooted in the body of Christ. Not just me and Jesus, but it's all of us. Christ in and among us all, the hope of glory. Thank you, Lord, that we're rooted in the revelation of who Jesus is and we're not going to let any cheaters come in and add to what the Word says or subtract from who Christ is or multiply any requirements of what it means to be spiritual. We're not going to let any divide our loyalties among us because we are standing together in faith and we love each other. Lord, thank You for last week where we learned that we are rooted in the holiness of Christ. That we are to be renewed in the image of the Creator in which we were originally created, in which we were made. Thank You for that. Thank You that You've made us new creations in Christ. And Lord, this morning as we look at this last passage in Colossians, Thank you that we're rooted in our relationships together, our brothers and sisters, and our mothers and fathers, and our parents and children, and our jobs. We thank you for this in the name of Jesus, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Rather than reading this whole passage, and I'd love to do that if we had time, but uh, it's it goes from Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, through Colossians chapter 4, verse 18, Um. And rather than taking the time to do that this morning, I'm just going to jump in as we approach each particular passage and read, rather than doing it twice, we're just going to do it once to save a little bit of time. This morning, as we just jump from this place, this springboard in which we're on, the Lordship of Christ, the body of Christ, being rooted together in the revelation of Christ and the holiness of Christ, those four messages have brought us to today. Today we're in the passage where the Apostle Paul starts to talk about how we relate to each other. And it's, it's very critical that we understand that our changed lives mean that we should have changed families as well. Can I have an amen? Amen. Changed lives means changed families. Changed families ultimately means a changed culture and a changed society. We can't do that by legislation. We've learned the term the phrase, though I could argue with it, you can't legislate morality. We do it all the time with laws regarding speed limit and everything else. Um, but I don't want to go philosophical this morning, but I just want to just pay some attention for a few moments to these issues of relationships. How I relate to you as my brother in Christ. How I relate to my wife. How as a parent I relate to my children. Uh, how, how How we relate to... Uh, whomever employs us, because we know that there are not situations of masters and slaves, and we're going to speak to that today as well. But as we begin, if you would just say this with me, please, everybody. change lives, change lives means, change means change families. So as we jump into this, we're particularly beginning at chapter 3, verse 18, and it's on the subject of husbands and wives and how they relate to each other. And let me just say, as I began this this morning, I've never had a week where I felt any... More unqualified to bring this message. Because Dawn and I had a couple of days where we each did everything just to tick the other one off. Uh, and I don't know that I'm the only person in the room that has ever experienced anything like that. And finally, on the second day, I, I realized what was happening. I said, This is just a pure attack of the enemy. I said, I'm supposed to preach on change lives mean change families. And I'm gonna tell you, I was not loving her the way Christ loved the church. And God knows she wasn't submitting to me as
1: he's fitting on bed.
0: <laughs> Say amen, honey. Like I said, I know that I'm the only sinner in the place when it comes to this. For about two days, about a day and a half, everything she did ticked and then slapped off out of my brain. And evidently, I was doing a pretty good job accomplishing the same for her, too. And, and you know, we, we've never, we've been married 25 years, celebrated that this year, been, been together for about 30 because we dated off and on for about five prior to that. And, and I'm on the phone with her, and I'm, I'm at probably 85 decibels, talking really loud. I said, I've got to preach on this this Sunday. I sounded like I was in a preach. <laughs> I said, That's exactly what's going on. This is an attack of the devil. And we started laughing, and we realized... What was happening? And it's amazing how when you can identify what's attacking you in your relationships, and then we realize that we're not the enemy of each other here, but we've got to come back together and put the strife away. Now let me just tell you, we got some guests here this morning, and some of you are just like probably big-eyed that a preacher is standing up here admitting that he's had an argument with his wife. I'm going to tell you, the real miracle is that she's stayed with me all these years because of the arguments that we've had together. I, I roll my eyes when people say, oh, you know, we've never had a fight." I want to go, well, somebody's a doormat in your relationship then. Because real people, real people have issues. You want to know why? Because you've got two wills and you're trying to make one Covenant, one flesh, one unity, one entity. You're trying to bring two divergent ideas, hers and then the right one, which is mine.
1: Woo! Now, you
0: know I don't believe that. I, I married a girl who grew up in a home who over, over the sink in her house was a plaque that hung and said this. And I can't remember what it said. (laughs) I got it. Here it comes. The views of the head of this household are not necessarily those of the management. That's what it said. How many of you know what I'm talking about? I, I just want to tell you guys right now, if you're the head of your house, it's because your wife lets you be. That's the truth. I am the head of my home because she lets me be. Because she willingly recognizes that there are times when after we've discussed and we, Ephesians 5, submit to one another in the fear of the Lord, that ultimately she says, Michael, I really don't know. You're going to have to pray. You hear from God. Then if it messes up, it's your fault. <laughs> you know, that's the that's biblical way to take it, ladies. If you yeah. trust God and you know that you're in a good relationship, you've got a husband who prays and loves the Lord. That's a righteous thing to do. Honey, I support you. I'm behind you. I really don't have an opinion on this. We've weighed it both back and forth, and I don't know what the will of the Lord is. You hear from God. You decide, and I'm going to support you regardless. I want to tell you, when you look at this passage here, it says husbands and wives, and I want you to fill in the blanks. Everybody say love and submission. Love and submission. Love and submission, these are the issues here. Somebody said one time, you know, he started with wives first because they're the ones who really need the help. And if that's not so. Every time, he listed the one who was in a relationship where submission was required. And let me just qualify this by reminding you of Ephesians 5 where it says that we're to submit to one another in the fear of the Lord. Okay? In the passage, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Wives, let me just say this. this. This Greek word for submit is it comes from a military word which carries the idea of placing in rank. Now, just because one man is a colonel and another one is a private doesn't mean the colonel is better than the private. It just means one has a rank that is over the other one. He's gotten there by, in the army by a particular way of promotion and proven himself. In the order of God, God has put in the home that the husband is when I say head, I don't mean way over, but I mean standing alongside as a helpmeet. But God sees the husband specifically as the priest of the home. When God deals with the home, he will move through the husband first. Now, if the husband is not a believer and the wife is, then you're really in a situation there where it's very difficult. God can still move and redeem and work and deal. But many times it's the wife who's the one there who's hearing from God, and she has to walk and a tremendous degree of grace and mercy and love and submission. The, the epistle of Peter, he wrote and he says, you know what? You can win them just by your attitude. Does not mean you preach at them? Does it mean you go in and you turn off their favorite sports show and stand there and quote scripture in their face? No, no, no. None of that at all. It means you love them with all of your heart. And the scripture says that you will win them by the grace of and the attitude of heart that you have. Come on, somebody say amen. 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 Love and submission. Now, the the Greek word for love there is the the word agape. It's literally the idea of sacrificial love. And and the, the point is, it says in Ephesians as well, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Now, I don't know a wife who will not willingly submit to a man who will give his life for her. In other words, if you'll, you'll take care of her, you will love her, you will honor her and cherish her, she will gladly in return give you the respect which you ask for, and she will submit to you because you are sacrificially giving your life for her. Come on, ladies, say amen. amen. That's, that's a fact. So we begin with that, with the husbands and wives. Then we move to parents and children. Parents and children, these are the two words I want you to put in the blanks. Everybody say Encouragement. And obedience. Encouragement and obedience. As we look this morning, the scripture says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 20, it says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Notice it says, obey your parents in everything. Not the 14th time they ask you, but the first time. And do it with the right heart. Do it with the right attitude. Obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Even if you're in a situation, if a, if a child knows Jesus and a parent does not know the Lord. Now, let me just say to you, when we mean obey the, 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 the parents in everything, this doesn't mean to obey them to do something against the law of God. There are limitations on that obedience. But if they tell you to do your chores, that's the righteous thing to do. It's it's the right attitude and the right spirit to obey. And then, in that environment, the Scripture says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. I think it's critical that as parents that we build our homes with an environment where there is a great deal of encouragement. Everybody say, encourage. encourage. To encourage literally means to... To instill or put inside, to inject faith. You know, do you realize that uh, somebody said one time, courage is what it takes in the face of fear. If there's not something that is going to make me fearful, I don't need courage in the first place. Be courageous. The word of the Lord came to Joshua. You're about to step out and do something that's going to take a great deal of faith. Be courageous. To be courageous means I'm going to determine that I set my heart in the face of things that are fearful. So in my home, I need to raise up some, some young champions and some warriors that are encouraged. The, the, the word from the French language, cour, means heart. To encourage, To encourage. Literally is saying, put heart in someone. Give them a a sense of wholeness about who they are and inject into them faith and the belief that God is for them and nothing can be against them. Come on, somebody. You want to raise children that can do all things through Christ? Then you've got to tell them that they can do all things through Christ. You You can't criticize them. You can't constantly tear them down and tell them how worthless and no good, what a loser they are. Some of you in this room were raised in homes where you heard that garbage, and that's unfortunate. God wants to heal you of the memories of the junk that you were told, because guess what? You've got a loving Heavenly Father now who's not out to provoke you. He's out to encourage you. And every one of these, there's a a qualifier and there's a check and balance system, because what you've got to realize... The husbands need to love their wives. They also have to learn how to submit because as a husband, I'm part of the bride of Christ. That means the wife of Jesus. That means I have to learn how to submit to the Lord. Just like Jesus loved His bride and now I'm willingly, because of His sacrificial love, I'm submitting myself to Him. So there's always the other side for all of us. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Third set of relationships here are those of masters and servants. Now, we don't have that. Although I want to tell you that as of today, as of this morning right now, August the 1st, 2010, there are 26 million people that are in bondage and are operating in a slave situation around the globe. Slavery never has been fully dealt with on the planet child trafficking is going on children are being kidnapped in major cities and taken into pardon my plainness but into sex rings where they're demanded to do things for for pay so that someone can get that remuneration or make the money off of them there are little children that are in thailand that are serving sixteen hour days in cigarette factories twenty six million people in slavery right now, now why did we have, and I'm not going to go philosophically historical on this because I don't have time, but this is the question that so many have. Why is the nation that was supposed to have been built upon Christian principles, have we used scripture or twisted it because it's just been a short 150 years ago that slavery was dealt with in the United States of America. And it's taken almost that long for our African-American brothers and sisters to achieve a place of what we would call the dignity of man and equality alongside the rest of us. They're still fighting an economic battle. I know it's quiet in here. You sh- come on, don't shout yeah. me down man. So we're not dealing with the master and slave situation anymore, so how do we apply this to us today? This is really a situation where you've got an employer-employee relationship. In this particular setting in Colossae and the Roman Empire, it was a slave situation where people were put in bondage and they were demanded to serve. And what the, what the scripture was saying, this is what the apostle Paul was saying. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart. Devotion, in other words, he's saying. Fearing the Lord. Now, the two blanks that I want you to fill in under masters and servants is honesty for the masters and devotion for the slaves. Everybody say honesty and devotion. Honesty and devotion. Now, this is important. They were operating under a particular cultural institution in which slavery was the order of the day. The church was new. They couldn't very well jump out and identify themselves as a bunch of anti-government Christians. Otherwise, they would have been squashed. So the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, civil disobedience does not have its place in this particular time in the first century in Colossae. He says, I'm telling you, God wants to touch the heart of your master. If you're a slave who knows Jesus, you're getting this letter. It's being read to you. You're a part of part of the Colossae church. I want to tell you what Jesus expects you to do is to love your master and to obey him in everything. And not just on the outside. Not just with eye service as people pleasers, but do it really out of the sincerity of your heart. Mm-hmm. Okay, enough of that, because we don't have slaves and masters today, but we certainly have employers. Some of you probably feel like you're in economic slavery because of what you do for so little. And I just want to say this to you. If you recognize that God uses that channel to bless you, to provide your income, to, to give you a way of life, what? how much better could it be if you could take this Scripture and apply it to your life that as an employee you would make a decision to get to work on time, and work with a good attitude. Work while you're there. Don't, don't be, you know, t- chatting on Yahoo or, you know, shopping on eBay or, or, you know, sitting at the computer doing your stuff, but you really are working. You're doing your job. You're doing it with a great attitude. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. And if we do that, not just when they're looking with eye service as people pleasers, but we really start to do it with sincerity of heart because we fear the Lord. Amen. We've got to realize that ultimately He's our Master. Ultimately Jesus is signs our paycheck oh yeah it may come through international paper it may come through fedex it it may come through bnsf railroad it may come through marion school system but if i can recognize that i'm there and i'm supposed to do all of this with an attitude of sincerity of heart to the lord because god is my master come on somebody It'll change the way I work. It'll give me a, a better attitude. If I have a better attitude, I'll work better. I won't become part of the problem. I'll be part of the answer. And guess what? I'll get in line for a promotion and God will bring more blessings. Amen. Amen. Look at this. Verse 23, whatever you do, work heartily for the Lord and not for men. You know what, what these people have done all week long? is not for anybody but Jesus. And you know what? Because of that, Jesus showed up last night and touched 36 young hearts. Put your hands together, Lord. You. Whatever you do, work heartily. for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you're serving the Lord Christ. And he goes on to say, for the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. What we've got to realize is that whether I'm a husband or a wife, I'm a father or a child. I'm a master or a slave. I'm an employer or an employee. Either way, Jesus is watching all of it, and I've got to be doing it, submitting myself in the fear of the Lord to Him. I just want to say something right now as a family. You know, this church has gone through seasons where it was like pulling teeth to get anybody to do anything. And just people were tired. I mean, we tried stuff, and it didn't happen. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm the same guy I was 10 years ago. I I I mean I'm a little older, got some gray, I'm a little better looking, but I, I'm just telling you, I, I'm not doing anything any different than I was then. But you know what? We've we've kept on. We've persisted, we've kept preaching, we've kept declaring. Look, don't, don't give up because God's favor's on this thing. And it's like in this season, this whole thing's gotten pregnant. We've had a we're having babies all over the place. Spiritual and natural. And let me just say this to you: it's so awesome. When you start to see a spiritual family find their place and individuals start to jump in where they're gifted and where they're skilled and they do something that they love to do and not just because it's a need, but they love to do it. And guess what? When you do something you love to do, you can do it with one hand tied behind your back, half asleep, and you don't burn out. I'm excited at what, what we're seeing here in spiritual family in this house and there's a lot of folks that are new and, and you've been coming a while. Let me just say this. I really want to ask you from the bottom of my heart to, to look around and see where there's a place where you might like to serve. Maybe in the cafe and preparing coffee for our guests as they come in or maybe a greeter at the door. Maybe you'd rather serve on a Saturday afternoon and throw a half dozen signs in your trunk and put them up and down some of the major thoroughfares because that's helping people see what God's doing at Victory. It's bringing them in. Maybe volunteer once a month to serve in the nursery or maybe in one of our children's ministries or any number of things. Help us change light bulbs and paint ceiling tiles. As long as we're in this place and the rains come down and the floods come up and the tiles fall down, we got to put them back up. Do you know that every Sunday this summer we've, we've been over 200 in this building? Do you know in September? Do you know? and we're going to be sitting around here hanging off the fans with our with our hands in each other's pockets. That's how tight it's going to be. When everybody gets back from the lake and back from vacation and back in school and everybody's back in their routine, we're busting out of the seams, folks. I'm excited about what God is doing at Victory. And we need you to jump in and help us serve. Let, let me just say this. Um, You know, a a brand new baby is born into a house. Everybody is really building into investing in that one. But you know, within a year or two, that little one can learn how to pick up the toys that he's strewn around the room and put them back in the toy box. You know, it's 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 real easy for all of us to find some place where we can jump in, how we can work heartily, put all of our heart into it, and we can put the best signs out that we can, or we can greet with a smile, or we can stand on the on the platform, we can sing and worship God, and we can do it with a great heart. Let me tell you, nothing ticks me off worse than somebody serving and complaining about it. <laughs> just chewing it up or, or, or praising God and it's got a go to Hades look on your face oh I'm sorry was that too plain how many of you know we need to do it with some joy come on alright second point talk is not cheap words are powerful jumping into Colossians chapter 4 Scripture says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us. This whole section is all about how we speak to each other, what our tongues are to be used for. Talk is not cheap, words are powerful. He says prayer is the very first thing we're to be praying, praying for each other. Let me just say this. If you really honestly are praying for your brothers and sisters, you can't out of one side of your mouth bring blessing. And the scripture says in the book of James, like a fountain, good water and bad water won't come out of the same fountain. Can I have an amen? Amen. Amen. All right, it's important that we pray. When we pray for each other, let me tell you, I don't get down on my knees and pray for you and then stand up in the next second and start criticizing or gossiping or backbiting. I mean, you know, there's some family rules we're going to live by. I mean, that's one thing. We learn how this is how our house is. My daddy said, bless God, this is my house. I'm paying the bills. This is, we're not going to act like that. We're going to behave this way. We're going to act right. Well, let me tell you something. Victory, we're going to help you grow up. We're going to help. We're going to teach you. We're going to equip you to advance the kingdom of God. We're going to find your gift. We're going to get you set on fire. And guess what? We're also going to show you how powerful this thing is and the righteous way to use it. This little thing I here, the thing you did scripture calls it a rudder or a fire it has the power to direct or the power to destroy how do we use this? let's move on that god may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of christ on account of which i'm in prison that i may make it clear which is how i ought to speak the apostle paul says let me tell you there's not just praying but i've also got to be about the business of proclaiming the word of god i'm preaching to you right now and let me just say this I determined, I it's like God convicted me. And he said, don't you get up there and preach on relationships without telling these people this week that you had a personal challenge yourself. That's good. We have to be honest. We have to be transparent. We have to acknowledge there's nobody perfect in the room. This is the perfect church for imperfect people. If you're looking for a perfect church, you're in the wrong spot, baby. Because everybody in the room knows we're not perfect. and we're, we, By virtue of that, we're giving each other grace to be able to grow into what God has for us. Somebody go ahead and help me and say amen. So we pray for each other. We proclaim the word. And then we witness to the lost. The scripture says in Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. What does the outsiders mean? This is a covenantal term. Those that are outside the covenant The blood covering of Jesus Christ. Those that are outside of the covenant of faith. The outsiders. In other words, we're witnessing to the lost. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. The lost, in other words. And he says, make the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious. seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Isn't it amazing how sometimes people will say, now take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. And they unload a bunch of gossip on you. How many of you ever heard that before? Take, why don't I, take this with a grain of salt. That is so messed up. The Scripture says that we ought to have our speech seasoned with salt. Salt holds back corruption. Salt preserves. Salt is this picture here of seasoning, so that the the the, the special flavor and the taste comes out of whatever you're partaking of. And let me tell you something: if you're hanging around somebody and you're eating rotten stuff, you, you need to go on a diet. You need to eat something that's going to encourage you, something that's going to build you, something that's going to strengthen you. Are they praying for you? Are they proclaiming the Word of God to you? Don't shout me down. Sharing burdens. Uh, This is a misprint where it says 4, 10 through 18. It should be verses 7, 8, 9. That's my fault. I'll just read it to you. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He's a beloved brother and a faithful minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. I've sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Everybody say, encourage your hearts. So Tychicus is carrying a burden. He's got a message to deliver. He's going to tell them what was going on with Paul. And he says in verse 9, And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. So we're supposed to use our tongues, our speech, to pray, to proclaim the word, to witness to the outsiders, to the lost, let our speech be seasoned with salt, and then finally he says to share burdens, to tell everybody about what's going on. Any of you getting anything out of this this morning? All right, I'm doing real good because I've got just a little bit of time here, so hang with me, and I'm going to finish up this last little bit from the book of Colossians. I've so enjoyed this series. It's just been amazing. Paul and his team, we're going to wrap this up. I, I have three points here real quick. Everybody say the men who stayed... The second one is the man who prayed. If you want to fill in your blanks, say the man who prayed. And then finally, the man who strayed. Okay, so first of all, the man who stayed. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 4, verse 10, Aristarchus. That sounds like an upstanding name to to name a young man, Aristarchus. (laughs) Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him and Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Now, I've got to get up, and I've got to tell you about this. Aristarchus is a special dude because he actually went down to the prison cell where Paul was staying, submitted himself, allowed himself to actually become in bondage. He didn't do anything to be in prison. He became a fellow prisoner with Paul. We've got... Historical evidence to to validate what I'm telling you right now. He went down to inject encouragement to actually get down into the situation where Paul was, where he was chained between two Praetorian guards. And Aristarchus showed up and he said, I'm going to stay with you in prison because God has called me to. Oh, my goodness. It's something, it's one thing for somebody to tell you what you need to do. In your situation, it's somebody who's willing to come out of their comfort zone and actually get down into the middle of the situation where you are and says, I'm going to get in this with you until you come up out of this. I'm going to be encouraged. Encouragement for you. And so Aristarchus was a fellow prisoner with the Apostle Paul. He involved himself specifically for the purpose of staying there until Paul got out of prison to be an encouragement to him. And this is a man who stayed. Come on, somebody. I love it. I read this week on Vest, on, on her Facebook website. She says this: she says, when faithfulness is the hardest, that's when it's the most needed. When you've got to stay, when you've got to stick to it, when you've got to endure, when you've got to, Greek word, hupomone, you've got to abide under, you've got to get up underneath the burden, and you've got to say, listen, I'm not quitting, don't you quit, don't you dare quit, we never, 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 never,
1: never quit, and we're going to see ourselves through this thing.
0: I'm thankful for people in this room who've done that. Since we started this church, I can look around and I can say praise God for my brother Dewey. I I can say thank the Lord for somebody who stood with me when it's been difficult, when it's been dark days, when there hasn't been a room packed, but it's been a handful. I'm thankful for Jack and Tina Murphy who've been here almost from the beginning, who've stood and who've given their lives and sacrificed go on around the room. And the Apostle Paul is doing this. He's giving a testimony to the fact that, listen, there's some people that we have to make sure that we pay some attention to because they've sacrificially given their lives and they've stayed when others haven't. The Apostle Paul goes on to say, there's not just some men who stayed, but there's a man who prayed for me and I, he's also prayed for you. You need to hear about it, he says. Epaphras. It was one of you, verse 12 and 13. A servant of Christ." Jesus greets you always struggling on your behalf in His prayers. I- I'm going to tell you, I-, I need some folks to pray for me like that. Amen. We're, we're, we're pressing against difficult things. We're pressing against mindsets and mentalities. There is a mediocrity over the delta. There is a, religi- a religiosity, a pharisaical spirit, a southern churchianity that this whole area has been marinated and baptized in. And because we stand up in the face of it to pull down that stronghold, I need some people that will struggle in prayer for me. Baptist, struggling on your behalf in his prayers. It's the Greek word struggle. is the Greek word agon. We get the English word agony. Sometimes it's not just say a little quick faith scripture and confess it and go on. Sometimes it's you get down on your face and you go, God, don't let go of that family. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke this spirit that's come on them. I bind it in Jesus' name. And I pray, oh God, that you give them clear sight and understanding. Sometimes you struggle. Sometimes there's an a gong. There's some agony in prayer to see God bring a breakthrough in some people's lives.
1: Yeah.
0: Epaphras birthed the church. Paul didn't. I had a move of God in Ephesus and Epaphras was, was just a young guy who got excited and he started praying and he went out there in some areas where he had a couple of friends and he witnessed to some buddies and before he knew it he's got a church springing up in the house. People are getting saved and he's faithful. It's just like what's happened around here these last 6-12 months. It's every time we turn around, somebody's getting saved. Somebody's making a fresh start. Somebody's getting water baptized. Somebody's getting a marriage
1: put back together.
0: You know what I'm going to tell you? I'm thankful that's happening because somebody struggled in prayer, and we're beginning to break through and see it happen. Oh, come on, Kevin. Let's give God praise this morning. Hold my heart. At the same time, i got to be true to Scripture breaks my heart that you can pour yourself into people and then just sometimes for the silliest thing you just lose heart and leave. The Bible says the man who strayed, Luke the beloved physician, breached you as does Demas. i got to give you a little history here and you can take this down in your notes. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. Scripture says the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy and he says for Demas in love with this present world has deserted me. Those are sad words. King James says, hath forsaken me. Somehow, we extricate ourselves from the awareness of how things took place historically in the first century and Paul was the missionary apostle. And we we just don't think of ourselves as doing that same kind of thing. Let me tell you something. It's, it's, It's been a hard row to hold at times here, believing God for a vision that was going to multiply and God to send the provision. And sometimes the weight of that is so absolutely indescribable. And I'm thankful to God that there have been people who have stayed and there have been people who have prayed. You know what? I forgive those who have strayed and gone elsewhere. <coughs> because sometimes God has to move some folks on. There's a fresh spirit in this church right now. There's a whole lot less drama than we have, there's a whole lot less criticism. The doors are open. I want anybody who's ever left. I want them to come back. We've not run anybody off, but I'm going to tell you this is the, the kind of honesty and transparency that the Apostle Paul wrote with, and for some reason, we think we can't tread on those kinds of waters in the New Testament church, but the apostle demands that we be that honest. Thank God for those who stay and those who pray, and we will pray for those who' stray. But you know what it hurts my heart to have invested years. And to believe God, and then in the season when it actually is, I'm pinching myself. I'm going, God, is this a dream? Because this, this, there's, there's a spirit of the Lord in this house like there never has been before. The presence of God is in the worship. It's growing. Are you hearing this? Morning? I want to wrap this up, but I've got a scripture. I want you to take this one down. It's not on the board. Let me know it because I didn't put it into this morning in prayer. Listen to the reference. John the sixth chapter, the 66th verse. Now I'm not superstitious, but John 666, 666, listen to this. You know that is the mark of the beast. Listen. Jesus has just stood up there and he's just preached, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, I'm none of you are none of mine, I'm none of yours. This was like a twilight moment. Jesus, are you a are you a vampire? how many of you don't talk about because there were people there that thought he meant literally okay take a bite out drain some blood drink it no no that's not what Jesus was talking about at all He's talking about consuming partaking of and being one spiritually with him When when he stood up to preach that the bible says the crowd of thousands that he had just sort of trickled out and left him Listen to the word of the Lord, John 6:66. 6, After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. That's a sad verse. You know what that set me free? because I started realizing one day, if Jesus had people walk away from him, who am I to think that I'm going to keep everybody? That's
1: right.
0: Are you hear what I'm saying? If Jesus himself is preaching a word that is so clear, and people who were disciples turn back and no longer walk with him. And who are we to say? And that doesn't mean that the folks who've left—and I'm not—nobody's I'm not, being marked, nothing like that whatsoever. God moves people around. He—he he moves His army into different places. And people ha- hear a word from the Lord and they feel led to go somewhere else. And this is an open place to do that. Please be led by the Spirit of God. We want you to do that. This is not Hotel California where you check in and you can't check out. You're free. Because some places that preach a message of intensity about the kingdom of God the way I preach it, also it comes with it, the idea that because we preach a revelation of the kingdom of God that usually nobody else in the area has a grip or a handle on, they start to give the people the idea that if you leave this, you're leaving the kingdom of God. Start to give the idea that if you leave this, that you're missing God and you're losing your destiny. Let me tell you, there are a lot of great churches in West Memphis and in Memphis and in Marion. And I, I fellowship with those pastors and I love them and I thank God for them. And I am, I have no Messiah complex. I don't think I'm called to minister or keep everybody in Crittenden County. I thought it was just a little bit of plain talk this morning. But as we wrap up this passage, we've got to realize, praise God for those who stay, praise God for those who pray. And we will pray for those who go elsewhere. Because everybody doesn't always stay. Final greetings, the Apostle Paul says in chapter 4, verses 15 through 18. He says, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. I love that. I, that's almost a message in itself. We've got a lady over here who's running the church. Now some of you just don't think that ain't, that's not even right. How many of you know the greatest revival in the world that's going on right now is going on in the nation of China and it's totally 100% led by women because the men are in prison because they've confessed Christ and they're serving seven and ten years in solitary confinement and in hard labor in prisons and guess what the ladies have to lead, and they step up and they've got millions of people honest to goodness every day that are getting saved born again that are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit in China underneath the communist government and they're led by women now we would be stupid to, 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 to preach some kind of ridiculous constricting kind of an idea that tells you that women can't do I'm going to tell you, women can do anything in the local church that a man can do except for rule. That's the scripture. A woman can preach. Let me tell you something. I'd much rather have a woman stand up here. Tina Kyle has, my wife has got the word of the Lord in her heart. Now, when people know she's going to preach, I got a couple folks who stay at home. That's just your loss, baby.
1: Because
0: the word of the Lord's in there. And I'm going to tell you, I, when I hear her, I hear the masculine voice of Christ coming out of her sweet little female voice the story of I don't care what you think about this name I'm going to mention, but can anybody deny that God's not using Joyce Meyer? He's a woman of God. Christian, Can anybody deny that God's not using Beth Moore? Oh my goodness. You're an idiot if you don't see that. When this letter has been read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea and say to Archippus, that you fulfill the ministry that you've received in the Lord. He's honoring Nympha. She's got a church down at her house. See that you fulfill the ministry that you've received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Have you got anything out of this the last five weeks? want you, if you would, please, let's just withdraw this service in. We're going to get ready to baptize these six. The children are coming any second. Hold them just for a second until I get to this, this portion. I want to say to you right now, if you heard me say anything this morning, you need to hear this, that God wants to shine His Spirit through your relationships. Husbands and wives, parents and children, employers and employees. We've we, we got to get beyond this ridiculous notion that if we work for a Christian boss that we can just show up twenty minutes late and go, oh well you, I'm a Christian. You gotta forgive me. Gone. For, for, forgivingly hand you a pink slip, what are you gonna do? I believe it's with Christians that we ought to go the extra mile and do ought to have the, the top the very best excellent spirit and attitude and we ought to do better work. Are you hearing me this morning? We ought to serve, so work heartily. That's for the Lord. <coughs> Whatever we did here at Victory, I encourage you to plug in. Talk to Simona. She's in our administrative assistant in the office. Jump in and help us. Let me tell you this. You will only get as much out of something as you're willing to put into it. When you start serving, you, you start catching the vision for how you can bless others. I want to tell you what amazed me last night was when these 36 little children stepped forward and they all had prayer Attendance around him, around them. Little volunteers that stood with these little ones and prayed for them in the name of Jesus and that whole crew had the realization that what we've worked for for weeks, it has just, we've just had a harvest in that moment. Amen. And God, yes. God will, cre- will credit that in rewards to Phyllis who sat there and gave out chips and little bottles of water. As much as Abby Marotti, who stood up here in the pirate suit, and Haley and Abby who led this thing, and, and Phyllis and Miss Ruby were giving out chips and with a smile on their face and do it with all their hearts. How many of you know God's going to credit that to every one of these
1: volunteers? Yeah. here?
0: For a team, I'm thankful for a spirit of servanthood that is growing in this church. And I just ask you this morning as we close this series and we close this message, maybe just to say, Lord, where would you have me to jump in and begin to find a place to serve in this family? So that we can see this thing grow. We can touch more lives. We can see the delta literally change for the kingdom of God. You know what? I think even before you ask that question, where can I serve, I think you have to ask the question, whom do I serve? What was was his name? That old 60's protest songwriter Bob Dylan got saved filled with the Holy Spirit the charismatic movement and he wrote a song. you got to serve somebody. It might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you're going to serve somebody. So this morning I would ask you as we bring this message to a close, whom are you serving? Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? You know what? It's not about a bunch of theology. It's not about memorizing a bunch of Scripture or saying the books of the Bible or keeping the Ten Commandments. But it's about just acknowledging that He took your place. Just like Colt sang this morning, Jesus paid it all. Oh, praise the one. Who paid the debt, who raised the life. You know what? Your life can be raised this morning so that you can know that you know that you know that you're serving Jesus. And all you have to do is just say, Jesus, save me. Come into my heart. Change my life. Forgive my sins. I turn from that and I turn to you. And this morning, I, I just want to very briefly ask everyone if you would bow your head with me right now. And I just.